Welcome to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, where we explore God's Word, not simply to learn more about the Bible, but to consider how to apply its wisdom. I'm your host, Svea Mary, and each week I'm joined by talented women from our congregation. We invite you to imagine yourself sitting here with us, enjoying a great discussion as friends about God and how His Word helps us take our next steps to become the women God intends for us to be. Today we have another great passage in Luke to explore, Luke 12, verses 13 to 34, and I'm really happy that we have someone special here to cover it with me. So far in this series, we've enjoyed hearing from women who were all part of last year's podcast, many of them longtime Bible teachers for Women's Bible Study, but today we get to welcome a new voice to our team, Kate Robinson. Welcome, Kate. Thanks, Fair. It's really exciting to be here, just chatting to you today. Yeah, I'm excited that you're here. Um, you listening may recognize Kate's lovely British accent from seeing her on stage as one of our regular worship leaders, often singing beautifully side by side with her husband, Pastor Jamie Robinson. And many of you were touched when she shared a bit of her story at our recent Refresh event. So I'm delighted now that she's here to walk through the scriptures with me today. Yeah, thanks, Svea, for having me here. It's what better way to spend an afternoon than chatting together about Scripture. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so what we're going to be talking about in the Scriptures today is Luke 12, verses 13 through 34. And we're going to discuss how the fully devoted follower of Jesus trusts God to provide. And, uh, and specifically, because that is kind of our overarching theme as how we're approaching the book of Luke, is to see what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower. In these passages, we're going to talk about God providing and trusting in that, and that it's important to have a God-focused attitude towards our material resources rather than misusing them to be only self-serving. Um, Kate, when we were uh, divvying up the passages to talk about, you were pretty eager to grab this mm -hmm. particular text as what you wanted to, mm -hmm. to choose for, especially this, your inaugural podcast episode. Uh, do you want to say something about why Jesus's teaching on this really resonates with you? Yeah, I, I love parables and I love stories. And this parable that we're going to be looking at today it's just so real in my life and I've experienced it and just to have a chance to talk about something you know lots about is exciting and to share little snippets and advice for people who might be struggling with these things. Yeah well thank you that's I mean I'm excited that you're here period but I'm doubly <laughs> excited that you're here to talk about um, a section of scripture that you find to be so compelling and and meaningful it's uh, mm -hmm. a great opportunity mm -hmm. for us today. So um, let's, before we maybe get into the specific verses, I thought it'd be helpful for us to talk a little bit about the context, because we're not jumping in at the beginning of the, the chapter, we're kind of going halfway in. So maybe it's helpful to start back at the beginning and just look a little bit at, at what came before this to kind of set it up. Yeah, so this is... It's a fascinating, as you read through these parables, how the crowd just gathers and gathers and gets larger. And then Jesus goes off to have a meal with a Pharisee. And then we're just gathered back together. Um, and it's I love the way the passage opens with so many thousands of the people had gathered together and they were trampling over one another. <laughs> There's the excitement brewing. They want to meet Jesus. They want to hear mm. there would be babies crying and kids playing and women talking and men chatting. Mm. And it's just the noise, the level and the disciples are there and it's just yeah the whole setting 
you can imagine it. Just thousands of people trampling over one another to hear Jesus. And yeah. that's just Or at exciting. least we can imagine it in yes. pre-COVID days. Pre-COVID when, <laughs> days, yeah. <laughs> no, that does help to, to set a scene that uh, that's kind of excited, that uh, that people trampling over one another mm-hmm. to try to hear and, and see more of Jesus. And it's interesting the kind of things that he's talking about with them in the beginning of chapter 12. Um, they're, they're not necessarily the verses that we stitch on pillows and, yeah. and, uh, or you know, paint on the artwork in our mm-hmm. kitchens, but, uh, but they're important sections that uh, if, if we summarize them, they're all kind of focusing on the importance of trusting God. Um, he talks to his disciples and coaches them about trusting God despite the obstacles around them, whether it's the uh, the hypocrisy of some of the people that they were encountering or the importance of recognizing God rightly in verses 8 through 12. Um, these, these are important lessons that he's trying to guide the disciples in. And now um, as a bridge from trusting God in the first half of chapter 12 now to what we're looking at, he's still talking about trusting God, but Interestingly, it's showing the obstacle Mm -hmm. that money can play Mm -hmm. in many of our lives as we seek to trust God with that. And it's kind of in that that we then get this interruption in yes. uh, in verses thirteen from a man in this this trampling crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to read verses thirteen to fifteen for us and just I'd kind of get us going on yes. that? Yes. So verses thirteen to fifteen. Someone in the crowd said to him, "Teacher, tell me my brother to divide the inheritance with me." But he said to him, "Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you?" And he said to them. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's kind of fascinating that we get this interruption from the crowd. Um, I read in a couple of the commentaries that it wasn't um, unusual to go to a rabbi no. if uh, if you had a legal mm-hmm. dispute with someone. They were well regarded mm-hmm. in, in their society as someone who could who settle disputes. So it's probably conveying some respect that he had for Jesus, recognizing him as an authority of that. But uh, but I think notice that the man doesn't really set Jesus up for this objectively. No, he wants Jesus to take his side. He's mm. saying. Um, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He wants, he feels like he's been treated unfairly. He wants Jesus to intervene for him, to give him the justice that he feels that he deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly, Jesus doesn't validate or invalidate. He doesn't say what he feels is right or what he feels is wrong. He just, he challenges what, where he's coming from, his heart yeah. attitude in yeah. that of it's almost like this is a greed. He wants he wants at more than what he's already been allotted according to um, the law that already exists. Yeah, I think that's a great point you bring up that uh, that Jesus isn't necessarily addressing the question mm-hmm. that the man is asking. He really wants to get beneath the surface mm-hmm. and uh, and to question what's his motivation, mm-hmm. what's behind his heart, and and maybe before we go further in the text. Maybe it's worth just acknowledging that, that, uh, you know, how often do we go to God when we feel like maybe we need something, we need God to intervene in our lives? Would would you say that's a wrong thing to do, to uh, to say, hey, God, I, I need you to make this work for me? I don't think, I think we all do that, don't we? Because we're told to pray without ceasing, to bring mm. everything to God to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so it's natural that we bring things to him, but sometimes we want everything to go our way mm. and we are not necessarily looking at what the right thing is to do. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think having that trust for God mm-hmm. that uh, that we trust ultimately he's going to act in a just mm-hmm. way and in a good way. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe like in the case of this man, he might not even respond to what we're actually saying, but he might do a deeper work yeah, in our heart. Yeah, there's heart. normally something else that Jesus answers other than necessarily what we're asking him for. He'll go, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> but he is good and we can trust he him is. in that. And Absolutely. the theme of trusting. Yes, trusting yes. is going to come out over and over. Um, Kate, you you pointed out that that kind of fun detail in the beginning of this story that there were thousands of people just trampling over one another to speak to Jesus. But in the beginning of the chapter, it was only the disciples Mm -hmm. that Jesus was speaking to. And then obviously now this person in the crowd has interrupted Jesus. um, And uh, and now as he begins to tell a parable about uh, about this that what's called the parable of the rich fool. Um, notice that he's broadening his audience a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, he's he's. I love the way he kind of talks. He talks directly to the man, but then he turns to the disciples. But then he brings everyone else in, and always the parables. Um, he directs it to a wider audience mm-hmm. that everyone can understand the parable. Everyone can understand the context of normally of the of the story, and everyone loves to hear a story. Everyone loves uh, a story. Everyone loves mm-hmm. a story, no matter how old you are. Um, but they they'll be intrigued by what he has to say as well. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I think he he very masterfully used that technique of telling a story that would illustrate these interesting spiritual concepts. They mm-hmm. might not have grasped the deeper spiritual Absolutely. meaning, and uh, and even the disciples often didn't. <laughs> Jesus would stop and explain it to them, and he's going to do the same thing yeah. for us today. We'll hear the parable, and then Jesus goes a little bit deeper into the application. But uh, but let's take a look at this parable. Do you want to read it for us, verses sixteen through twenty one? I'd love to. So from verse 16, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Thanks, Kate. Um, One of the things I was just reading this morning as I was going over some notes for this is that it's noteworthy that the man came across his wealth honestly. Mm -hmm. There's nothing, even though that the poor guy is, is commemorated in the story as the rich fool, he didn't do anything corrupt or wrong. Mm-hmm. He didn't steal or cheat mm-hmm. to amass his wealth. He he came about this as a landowner whose land just produced abundantly. Yeah. Yeah. And he just had a good harvest. Yeah. <laughs> a very did. good harvest, which if we ever have a good harvest or we have we want we want want to share it and or we, we should be wanting to share it. But mm-hmm. um we're always excited if we have something our investments grow and we haven't done anything to it because it happens or we've grown crops in our own little garden back in our house and we have (laughs) loads of them we go yay we're excited but what's interesting about that is 
again it's getting back to the heart attitude of it it's i will do this i will i will i will and it's mm. very much an i no not once in that parable does he say thank you he doesn't thank god yes he doesn't thank um his workers he doesn't even show that he's looking after those around him going back to the gleaning where letting the people around the edge of the fields come mm-hmm. and get it's very much about i have this what am i going to do with it build mm-hmm. a bigger barn I can sit back and enjoy the rest of my life and not have to worry about anything anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Selfish. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And that's the key to understanding him. And I think, you know, something that we may miss in our culture now that the Jews who were listening to this story would have thought of right away is that they would have recognized that this kind of success of the abundance of his land producing like this was a blessing of Mm -hmm. God. Mm. And, uh, And it would have been a little bit more natural for them to have that reaction like, well, he should be thanking God. There should be an attitude of, of gratitude. I'm not meaning to make that <laughs> rhyme. It's just the right word. <laughs> um, and, and, and the lack of his gratitude towards God. And, uh, and as you point out, the lack of any willingness to share that with the yeah. community um, is, is really kind of tragic. And I think that's the key to getting to the point of this parable. It's not that it was wrong for him to be wealthy. It no. was his, his heart, his, his attitude of hoarding. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's what makes it go wrong here. Um, so, and I think that's helpful because sometimes we hear it preached a little bit sideways, the, the guilt over if you have things that, you know, the, the really godly people sell everything they have and give everything to the poor. And, and we see an echo of that later in verse 33. Yeah. But it's not that Jesus is saying that he was wrong for having things. No, it's, it's not that he has things, but it's what you do with them. It's your attitude towards them. Yeah, as you said, even in later verse 33, it says, sell your possessions. Mm-hmm. He didn't sell Say, sell everything you have, sell mm-hmm. all your positions. Um, so it's kind of, it's on the emphasis of having more than you need rather than just what you need and what you do with that. It's it's the greed rather than the possessions. We, mm-hmm. can, we can be blessed with lots of things, but it's what we do with it. Yeah. Um, whether that's our possessions, whether that's our money, mm-hmm. whether that's our time, mm-hmm. everything kind of can go into this of what do we do with what we've been given. Right. And and we know from this story that what this man wanted to do was to eat, drink and mm-hmm. be merry, um, which sounds lovely and can be completely appropriate in other contexts. But he was making himself God in this story and comfort his salvation. And so when verse 20 comes along and, and it said, <laughs> fool, you know, you think that your possessions were going to bring you security, but it's this very day that your soul is demanded of you and, and everything that you've stored up is completely worthless mm-hmm. at this point. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a, a great warning for us because, you know, if, if I can speak stereotypically, I think many of us as women especially crave security and uh, and fear of what the future might hold mm-hmm. is a real fear mm-hmm. for many of us and uh, and it's a very common gut reaction to think you know if i just have enough saved if i hit that 6 month saving margin or or whatever it is then i can provide some security for myself which isn't gen- necessarily wrong it's good it's prudent to plan ahead mm-hmm. um we need to be thinking about these things but it's not amassing the wealth just for comfort we need to have jesus involved in that um and allow him to um and be thankful to him in that 
and it is making provisions yeah we need to do that there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that but at some point being fan- financially responsible it can be tip over to becoming ob- obsessed yes and um, we're obsessed with our future is obsessed with our 401k we're obsessed with what college our kids going to go to and are they going to have the funds to be able to go to the college that we want them to go to or that they want to go to and are we going to be setting up our kids in the future for the life that we want them to have mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily it's not necessarily bad it's um as it says in in the passage it, that tonight God requires His soul, but he, then He goes on to whose will they be? All these things that you've prepared for when you've passed, who will they be? Mm. So it kind of alludes to the idea you need to have set up when when we do pass, which we all will. Mm-hmm. What is going to happen to your grain? For mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the, what your harvest? What's going to happen to it? Is it just going to rot away and no one get it? Is it going to be used for good use? Yeah. Is it going to be helping your family so that they can set up for the future? Yeah, um, yeah. Think thinking ahead isn't bad. It's just not being obsessed. Yes. Well, and and I like you were touching on the idea that we can kind of go astray when we become obsessed with trying to protect our mm-hmm. own future and our security um, by the fears of, well, what would happen? You know, how, how can I ensure that what I want to happen mm-hmm. happens? And and at the, the heart of that is really the issue that the rest of this text is going to get to in the, the sense of when we are worried, when we're feeling mm-hmm. anxious about mm-hmm. this, are we going to just continue to feed that worry and anxiousness or are we going to trust God with that? So, uh, so why don't we explore the end of that and, and turn to the application, uh, maybe for the sake of time, let's not read all of those verses. So yeah. uh, you listening, yeah. if you need to pause this and, and read that to keep up so that you're on the same page with us, that's absolutely fine. But we want to hone in on, <laughs> on the application that Jesus gave to his disciples. And notice in verse 22, it says that he did turn back specifically to his disciples yeah. to continue to coach them on what it looks like to trust God with this part of their life. And um, and in this section, you'll see that five times we're warned to not be anxious or to worry or to be afraid. Mm. So let's yeah. talk about that a little bit. What does it mean to be anxious or worried? I mean, being afraid of what uh, what you have to eat or, or clothes on your back. These are pretty big things to be concerned about. And let's get real. We all worry. We <laughs> Women are known for worrying. We're anxious a lot of us are anxious about everything. Yeah. Um, we sometimes feel we have the weight of the world on our shoulders and it falls to us yeah. to do a thing. But yeah, Jesus doesn't just advise us not to worry. Mm-hmm. It's a command. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. So mm-hmm. yeah, what does it mean to not worry? How do we not worry? Mm. Um, do we, by not worrying, are we saying, oh, we're not worried that we're not trusting that God cares for us? Do we not think sometimes that God will provide our needs mm-hmm. that we need are we not fully trusting him mm-hmm. do we still think oh i need to take control of this and do something to help jesus out yeah. so that he can come through for me um yeah it's sad also when you see children who are worried about things their parents will surely provide i think we were talking about this mm-hmm. the other day and you you gave the example mm-hmm. of how if if one of our kids come to us and hungry, they're not going to be coming to us hungry. We're going to provide everything they need. We provide mm-hmm. them their clothes. We provide them um, a bed and clean 
um, things to, and toys and we provide them food hopefully yeah. <laughs> wholesome nourishing food yeah um, so if we provide our children everything that they need that they don't have to worry about how much more is our heavenly father going to provide Absolutely. everything that we need and I think the key is on need yeah <laughs> he yeah. doesn't provide everything we want um, but he always provides everything we need yes very true. And in verse 30 says specifically that, that your father already knows that we need all of these things. And, and we don't have to, to fear that, uh, that he's maybe letting us slip through the cracks. He knows what we need. And, and if he cares about ravens and lilies, how much more mm-hmm. would he care about us? And, and, and like you pointed out, if we can envision the importance of providing for our children, of course, he can do that for us, too. I also like how verse 32, this phrase, fear not little flock. Mm. Um, It just, you can picture the cute little lambs in the field. Now, (laughs) lambs obviously were highly vulnerable Mm -hmm. to all kinds of threats, but the point was that they have the good shepherd to protect them from very real threats. Mm-hmm. So so like you say, I mean, there are things that are going to make us worry that we're going to feel anxious about. And, uh, and our needs are things that would be on the scale of, of frivolous to essential. They're on the essential end of things yeah. to be concerned about. Um, so it's not that this text is saying we need to deny that, that there are scary things out there when we feel like we are in need. Uh, but but we can trust God in those situations. We and the more we can. trust him in those situations and see him provide for us, the easier it becomes on trusting him in the future. It really is. And look at the, the detail in verse 32 where it's not that it just says that and he will provide. Mm-hmm. It says it's your father's good pleasure yes. to give you the kingdom. I just think that's absolutely beautiful. Um Let's go to the kind of the third part of this application is not just that it's the matter of being able to trust God to provide, but that he wants us to be able to use our possessions in a way that maybe is how he's providing for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, he's looking to us to, to maybe be his hands and feet, to be the way that someone else is receiving what they need from God. Um, yeah. That, that, again, it's not that our material possessions are bad or it's wrong to have them, but it's mm-hmm. our heart with them. Are we using them only for our own comfort and, uh, and false sense of security, or are we using them um, to create a treasure in heaven to, to, to have an influence for the kingdom, for the way that we love our neighbor um, with what God has given us. Yeah, as as one of our mission visions and values here is is giving generously, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's that whole idea of going above and beyond, seeing other people's needs. You never know what need some people might have, um, but just providing for other people's needs, whether that's a meal, whether that's um, financial help, just sometimes support and friendship. Other people need or have other needs. Mm-hmm. You briefly were sharing with me the other day about how your family has experienced this when yeah. you were growing up. Yeah, so growing up um, when I was a, a young child, my, my dad had a very comfortable job and then he lost his job and we were suddenly with no income at all. Mm. And just through those times, my parents never truly hid what was going on. There was, um, obviously, we were told, no, you can't have that. But just the sense of Jesus providing everything we needed um so i know stories that my mum would tell me 
um, would be things like there was a bill that needed paying, mm. like um, a gas bill or a water bill, and they didn't know how they're going to pay it. And then through the mail would come a check mm. for the exact amount. Wow. To cover the bill. Or we never went without food. Yes, it wasn't always the food we wanted to eat um, <laughs> things like egg curry and oh. my mum was very creative but we never went hungry and we never went without clothes yes we might mm. not have designer clothing mm. but we had f- shoes on our feet we had clothes to wear to school we had everything we actually needed mm. um, and 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 there's this sense of Jesus always provided all of our needs. Um, do I feel I missed out? Yes I probably missed out on some things that I wanted to do mm. but just seeing my parents' faith grow and us all being able to have our faith grow through that. Mm. But it's given me more of appreciation now on, okay, God blessed me during that time. And when I have had situations where I don't know how Jesus is going to come through on something, it's like, mm. oh, my parents trust him. We trusted him then. He didn't let us go then. Mm. So mm-hmm. now he's not going to let us go. And even yeah. when... um I really don't see a way through in a situation. Just knowing that God has held me in those times and us as a family just keeps the faith going. Yeah. Um, so you can keep going and keep trusting in Jesus. And yeah, it's it's a spiritual discipline, isn't it? You have to keep practicing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, absolutely. What a beautiful legacy mm. that your parents modeled for you there. Um, and investments into uh, riches in the kingdom, um, far more valuable than than a bank account. If you hadn't yeah. gone through that story, you might not have had the depth of faith and trust for God uh, no. that you have now. What a beautiful thing. Well, again, we want our overarching theme as we go through this to see what the fully devoted follower of Jesus can learn from the book of Luke and in, in what it looks like to follow Jesus. And uh, and I hope that it's been coming out clearly that uh, that in this passage that God wants us to trust him to provide and, uh, and that we are to have a God-focused attitude towards material resources rather than just using them only to be self-serving for ourselves. This text really, I think, forces us to consider if we're fully devoted to trusting God or to trusting in our own financial security. Um, The parable helped us to guard against three errors of either hoarding our material resources or assuming that life can be secured by our possessions or regarding property for our sole benefit. And then I just love Jesus' application of the parable that calls us to consider our response to worry or anxiousness, and if we're going to believe that our good, good Father really will provide for us. Um, he's asking us to trust what we're, what we're going to do mm. when we feel that mm. worry and that anxiousness. Will we trust him um, above a sense of self-sufficiency mm-hmm. or false security in what we might be able to amass ourselves. And ultimately, we're left to ask if we can find more value in the treasure in our pocket or the treasure in our heart. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, let's let's close out our time with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you are our good Father. And we do ask that you would help us to trust you, help us to see that uh, you not only will be faithful to provide, you take good pleasure in giving us the kingdom. Uh, Lord, wherever we are in our lives, whether we're in a set of circumstances where worry and anxiousness are just around every corner, 
or uh, or if we feel like we've got wealth so large that we need to build storehouses, help us to have the right attitude. Help us to make you God, not to make either an abundance or a lack of material possessions our, our false God. Um, help us to trust you. Help us to see your work in our lives and, and um, help and motivate us to use what you have blessed us with as a way that we could bless others around us. Um, we love you, Lord, and we seek to trust you even more. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, a production of Autumn Ridge Church. We appreciate the technical assistance provided by Josiah Novinger, Ian Benoit, Robert Nash, and others from our wonderful staff. We'd love to hear your comments or questions on this or any other episode, and you could reach us at women at autumnridgechurch.org.